Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means Jorna Taylor is sitting across from me. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, indeed. And as always, Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, welcome. Good morning, everyone. So, uh, everyone knows we record Thursday mornings, uh, but most of you listen to this on Friday, and uh, that is the context of our world today. Friday is the inauguration of Donald Trump, so... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, it seems like it's actually going to happen. Oh my God, it is a death march. Yes, well, it's it's interesting. Uh, a lot of A lot of folks I've noticed on social media have been... Ask, starting to ask people how they're preparing. What are they doing on Friday to sort of deal with the uh, uh, the emotion of what it means to move to a Trump pres- presidency? So it is a big day. Um, I do want to point out there are obviously a number of events. There's already been a number of events, or you could say the resistance has begun. We'll talk a little bit later in the podcast about some of the events we did around the state on health care. But there was a, a march here in Milwaukee around immigration rights and a number of other things. But events will continue on uh, Friday here in Milwaukee. There's a huge event in Red Arrow Park starting at 5. I encourage folks to get out there. But Stuff going all around the country. Women's March on Saturday, if I'm correct, uh, in D.C. And there's going to be a number of other rallies around the state, including Madison, if I'm correct, I believe. Correct. Um, so we want to encourage people to get out, be involved in the resistance, be involved in making sure that folks know that this is not going to be a new normal. Uh, we need to make sure people understand that this is this is not okay. Um, it is worth pointing out that I believe as of now there are at least 65 Democratic legislators who are not going to the inauguration, which is, of course, highly unusual. Um, and a lot of very public pr- uh, proclamations about why. Um, and Trump enters with the lo- one of the lowest, I believe the lowest approval rating of any president. Uh, He's number one. Yeah, 32%. <laughs> I believe they've been keeping the, the this number since the 80s. Um, so that that's uh, the background. want to start, though, by talking about the week that sort of led up to the inauguration, and that is this week in the confirmation hearings that have continued to go forward. This was the most surreal week, I think, of all of them um, in terms of who we were dealing with. Um, in particular, we have to talk about DeVos. Betsy DeVos. Uh, there were there were a number of uh, of uh, confirmation hearings that were pretty wild this week, Robert. I will want to get your your comments on price, but we're going to start with Betsy DeVos. Uh, she is up for education secretary, and it is unbelievable the the hearing that went on. I I don't know if either of you. I assume if you didn't watch it live, you can't go on Facebook without just seeing clips of, of her hearing on a number of topics, uh, starting with the fact that Bernie Sanders essentially called out the basic reality that the only reason Betsy DeVos is even up for a nomination is because of the vast amounts of wealth that her and her family have contributed to Republicans and essentially being sort of on the vanguard and leading the fight for a privatization of, of public education. And otherwise, there's really no reason for her to be up for this position. And uh, Bernie called that out. Jorna, I, I know you've 
education is obviously an important topic. This this is unbelievable that someone who failed so miserably in these questions could actually seriously become the education secretary. I think this is amazing. So you asked if anybody watched this. Um, I have a group of friends that gets together every week or every two weeks uh, to you know, sit around, talk about politics, drink wine and beer. And and it was during the DeVos hearings and they were on when we got to our friend's house. And oh my God, it was so fascinating. Uh, my favorite is actually Elizabeth Warren really going after her and asking her some... Um, quote, tough questions like, I don't know, do you have any experience with education? <laughs> um, you know, and her answers were basically, no, but I have friends that do. So, you know, if one of the questions here uh, is specifically about whether or not DeVos was for, was familiar with Pell Grants and, and student aid and, and literally she responded that she has friends that have received Pell Grants. Well, certainly what? her family what? would, none of her people <laughs> I, would I mean, have that's them. not even like a, a thing that you say. You at least spin out of that better, right? No, I, you know, I just have a friend that did, so I'm totally an expert. Well, it's not surprised. Again, I mentioned all the money that she's given to Republicans. It is worth pointing out to our Wisconsin listeners that uh, DeVos has been particularly active in Wisconsin and contributing millions of dollars actually through, I think it's American uh, Federation for Teachers or whatever whatever that ridiculous uh, uh, fake group that she set up was involved tremendously in recall elections and has been involved in um, uh, a number of school board uh, elections here in Milwaukee, in particular back uh, in the aughts around uh, vouchers. So she she has uh, spent significant amounts of money here in Wisconsin, enough that definitely Jorna would not allow her or her family members to qualify for Pell Grants, Robert. Well, I most enjoyed when she was asked whether she would be getting this nomination if she wasn't a billionaire given campaign contributions. And she said, of course she would. She's been such a leader in education. Uh, probably the classic, though, was the... Uh, you know, lollipop question from Senator Murphy from Connecticut, where Sandy Hook took place, uh, where he asked where she felt about guns in schools, and she indicated it should be local. Uh, there should be local determination because in Wyoming, you need guns to protect the schools from grizzlies. So obviously, yes. Which uh, gets my kind of system one mind thinking: Grizzlies, Mama Grizzly, Sarah Palin. So that's my free association. Not the basketball. Is it a basketball team? The Grizzlies? I don't know. Here's my sports ball <laughs> knowledge. There was being... <laughs> didn't it move, Matt? The Vancouver Grizzlies, right? Look, you know, and and the uh, funny thing is, the school that she was actually pointing out uh, when contacted about this pointed out that they do not have any guns in the school. In fact, have nor a, any Grizzlies. Nor well, they have Grizzlies. <laughs> But you know what, Jorna? A simple fence and bear spray is what they recommend and say they don't need to pack heat and have everybody carrying guns in the school to protect against this eventual, this once-in-a-while grizzly attack. Okay, so this group is so bad that Ben Carson is getting a free ride, basically, because he's he's far apparently far more qualified than this crew. So you have, of course, Tom Price, the health services secretary who wants to gut Medicare and Medicaid uh, who, and also traded stocks of pharmaceutical companies as he drafted and, and voted on legislation that impacted them. 
So nice little conflict of interest there. Uh, but assures us that no one will be worse off if we repeal the Affordable Care Act and take all the money for covering over 20 million people. Everyone will be fine, apparently. And then, of course, you have Scott Pruitt, the EPA uh, proposed secretary who doesn't believe in global warming and who has spent his life suing the EPA. And, and, and will not step down if he's got to deal with anything connected to these lawsuits. Uh, he says he will only if the uh, ethics person tells him he needs to. He doesn't apparently have these censors himself. So we got a rogues gallery. Maybe the strategy is that this takes attention away from the president-elect and the uh, and soon-to-be new president if we're focused all on Mr. Voss, Mr. Price, and uh, Mr. Pruitt, among others. Yeah, well, look, there's there is one thing that I very like in a very serious want to point out about DeVos that was quite frightening. Right, is her inability to answer or or talk very clearly about her position around uh, the requirements. It's called IDEA, and it's essentially around disability uh, rights for for students and kids that have disabilities. It has been something that has been fought for years to make sure that they get equitable treating treatment in schools. Um, and lots of kids have what are called IEPs and things that are specifically set up to help them get through school. She just refused to answer that she would make sure that this uh, would be implemented and just said that this ought to be, it's a matter that be left to the states, right? And for any parent out there who has a kid like this, you know, whether it be autism, there's anything, right? This is terrifying, right? That that this is somebody who doesn't even believe that they're going to protect that. So again, it just brings home, right, while it is shocking and sometimes seems comical about how ridiculously bad uh, these nominees are, but it is a reminder, again, just how this is going to have real-life implications for kids and families, uh, and, and it's it's tragic. It's, it's really tragic that someone like this would only be up, but if not for the money that they contribute uh, to, our, to our system. I want to underscore what you just said again, Matt. It's good pod fodder for us, right, yeah. to make fun of things that happen, but we talk about, you know, there are a lot of, there's the two sides of the coin here. And, you know, don't protest the government and this is our president and we all have to learn how to live with this and blah, blah, blah. Um, hell no, because some really, really bad stuff is happening and it's going to hurt all of the people that we care about. And so absolutely get out there and protest at the Women's March and absolutely hold everybody accountable to the bad things that they're going to do and absolutely call your legislators and write your president and, you know, I don't know, tweet at him. Maybe that's the only form that you can get him in. Um, but there's going to be some really bad stuff that happens. So as much as we can snark about it and laugh, it's it's terrifying. Yeah. And let me say something else. Uh, we shouldn't see Betsy DeVos, for example, or Scott Pruitt as some, or even uh, Tom Price, as just incompetent hires whose ideology is fine. In other words, in a way, Betsy DeVos is a window into the whole alleged education reform community that has been trying to destroy public education in this country for 30 years. And if we had a better trained charlatan who could say the words better, that wouldn't necessarily be better. But it really is. I mean, the, the critique of public schools, how they want to measure performance, their idea of how we're going to educate every kid and give every kid an equal educational opportunity in this country is actually as crackpot as Betsy DeVos sounds. So in a way, she's a better reflection of their ideology on education and their movement. So yeah, Jordan, I want to underscore, folks, get out, you know, get involved this week. Again, if you're in Milwaukee, Red Arrow Park, 5 p.m., uh, there's going to be events all over the state. Um, we will try to get 
more of those listed and links of those on our website. Um, I do want to point out that uh, Citizen Action Cooperative members are going to be meeting here in Milwaukee at 445 to head over to Red Arrow Park and uh, specifically marching as a group around uh, health care for all. Uh, and we want to make sure that there's that message gets out as a part of this group. So if you want to be a part of that, either meet us at Red Arrow Park at 5 or come on over to our office at 221 South 2nd Street here in Milwaukee, 445 on Friday for that march. So... Um, Obviously, as we're speaking, uh, we are not as we're speaking, but as most of you are listening, uh, the uh, inauguration will be going on today. And again, the, the Women's March is on Saturday, to be correct, if I'm correct. Yes. So I uh, want to make sure people are aware of that. Jorna. Uh, Matt. Yes. So Paul Ryan, I do want to. Paul Ryan. Yeah. Mention Paul Ryan. We, we want to make sure we don't forget about Paul Ryan watch. <laughs> so he's come under a little bit of attack this week around uh a number of his statements, in particular the Affordable Care Act. He continues to be going around stating that the Affordable Care Act is in a death spiral, which everyone, anyone keeps telling him that is not accurate, not even close to accurate. No, haven't, but you, actuary, haven't you reached out to him and let him well, know? Well, first of all, Paul Ryan is a lying liar who is surrounded by other liars that just, they'll lie to each other. Um, if you Google Paul Ryan lying, there are headlines from every major news source and then, of course, all of the independent ones as well, that the headline has Paul Ryan lying, Paul Ryan liar. This isn't something that you can make up. I want to say, Matt, the actuaries told him that it was in a death spiral. So he has to do something. And again, nobody will be worse off with Paul Ryan's plan. I just want to underscore that because, you know, Paul Ryan would never clearly lie. I, to Jordan, the American people. I think we're going to repeat that on every podcast and remind people that Paul Ryan has stated no one will be worse off. No one. And Robert, um, this week, this gets us to the fight back on health care. Um, not only has Paul Ryan stated this, Sean Duffy this week jumped into the fray. And, oh, there's a, definitely uh, not a liar. Well, Sean Duffy has declared that um, everybody like everybody. He, he was basically saying with Trump. Everybody's going to get health care. Nobody's going to lose it. So they're all really doubling down on this idea. This is that not Oprah. You will continue to have as good a health care as you have currently. Mm. Um, so this week on Saturday and Sunday, we were joined with uh, a number of folks around the country, national actions uh, in defense of health care, but also really keeping the focus on making sure everybody has access to health care. So we did a huge event here in Milwaukee with Senator Tammy Baldwin and Congresswoman Gwen Moore. Robert, let's uh, tell us a little bit more about the events and sort of then where this leads us. What's next? Well, it was called originally by Bernie Sanders, but then a lot of other leading Democrats and healthcare care advocates uh, jumped on board. And so it was all over the country, but we, uh, it's just an action. We led events in Milwaukee, Appleton, Wausau, Eau Claire, and Waukesha, and there were partners had events in La Crosse and Madison. And so the events went extremely well, got a lot of press coverage. Uh, the event in Milwaukee, so many people came, we had to have a simultaneous event outside because it wasn't safe to bring anyone, everyone inside. And uh, Senator Baldwin and Gwen Moore certainly showed they're willing to fight, which is what we need. And here's why this is important, and this is going to require rapid response by people. 
Uh, it's clear that the new uh, right-wing playbook is to express progressive values as their goals and then substitute in as the solution uh, conservative non-solutions or things that go in the opposite direction or small ball stuff that will no way achieve them. And so we've seen Walker doing this with the everyone who wants a good job will have one and he's going to boldly address the opiate crisis, et cetera. He's going to create more, uh, train workers so they're, they're a lot more skilled and have more opportunity without doing any of those things, right? But just, and then substituting in more tax cuts for the wealthy, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're seeing that on healthcare, and it's amazing the double down. I mean, Paul Ryan started with the no one will be worse off promise in December, but Trump now said over the weekend that no one will lose coverage. Tom Price is saying no one will be harmed. So over and over again, they're now claiming uh, that you can actually get rid of all the money, which is what they're doing for coverage, and repeal the Affordable Care Act with no replacement, and no one will be harmed. And I think their solution is they think if they do it through a complicated process with the votes taking place on arcane parliamentary maneuvers in the middle of the night, and if they set a clock on it so they keep the Affordable Care Act for a couple of years before it takes effect, that when it blows up and 30 million people lose their coverage, uh, the public will be will not blame them. And so they're betting on the American people not understanding what they're planning to do to the American people. And so what the solution has to be is, is that we need to call attention to it and bear witness to it. There has never been uh, a more important time, quite frankly, for us to use every tool at our disposal to highlight every move they make in this process so that they own it. And if they think they're actually going to own it, they're going to shy off from doing it. It's their philosophy that our democracy is so degraded and so far gone that the American public won't know who did this to them. So we really, one of the things that we think is critical in the fight back is the organizing cooperatives. And we want to encourage people to get involved in our organizing cooperatives. They were central to leading these events around the state. Um, as I think we mentioned, there were over 800 people in Milwaukee, over 200 people in Eau Claire. I think we had 80 in Wausau and Appleton. And then there were also events that were held in Madison and La Crosse with some of our allies. But all of these events were put on by our organizing cooperative. And uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin actually, in her speech, encouraged encouraged people to get into this fight, to join citizen action and get into the fight against Trump and for affordable health care for all. So really want to encourage people to join our co-ops. They are going to be central in our efforts to uh, protect what we have and push forward and expand and make sure, as I said, everybody has access to affordable health care. So uh, please keep following and listening. I don't know, Robert, if there's anything else you want to leave uh, before we move on to another topic as it relates to this issue. Well, just if you're involved in any protests or in just social media activity during inauguration, remember to raise the health care issue because health care is the first thing they can do and they're already started to do it. So let's make sure that's part. We know there are a lot of other critical life and death issues involved in the inauguration protests as well. And by protests, I mean broadly, including your social media, including anything you're saying to your friends and relatives. Just remember that they have already started a process to take health care away from 30 million people. And if they can do that without a public whimper, then they will move on to attacking Medicaid and Medicare, which they plan to do in May. So we will have a link on our website if you want more information about joining our organizing cooperatives. I strongly encourage you to do that. So we need to move to state-level politics. We're going to try to keep our podcast a little under the 55-minute opus that we put out last week. You all for, loved it. Yes, it was awesome. Brian. Yeah, well, but look, we spent some time last week talking about the state of the state. Um, we really will and continue to always focus on Wisconsin and what's happening here. 
And we mentioned that Governor Walker, Robert, you, you sort of briefly mentioned this before, is using sort of progressive values as talking about them, but then actually not really having any policy behind it to it's back ba- it up. Bait and switch. Bait right and switch, as you it. like to yes. say. So one of the big things that he actually brought up was this idea that he was going to cut education funding. And Jorna, I know we talked about that. You are someone who comes out of the uh, UW student movement, a strong supporter of public education. Um, this sounds, me I mean, Betsy DeVos. <laughs> yeah, this, this sounds great, right? Sounds like a good idea, but still absolutely zero details. We have no ideas continues this week. Sure. So yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating proposal that he has put forward. Uh, so far there have been crickets as to how that's going to happen. And my fear is that sure you can cut tuition and you can do all of these things, but it's going to come on the backs of other student services. It's going to come on the backs of other necessary um, professor salary increases and recruitment and retention of top level instructors. It's going to come on the backs of buildings that are crumbling and infrastructure that we need to provide a world-class education for our students in Wisconsin so that they are ready to compete in the global marketplace. You know, as a UW, as a former United Council president, sure, I would love to say we're going to cut tuition and that's going to be awesome. But without any sort of uh, sense of how that's going to happen in this particular budget climate and knowing that Republicans are trying to gut the Wisconsin idea anyway uh, and rewrite it, I don't think this is going to be as good as everybody is saying. So you're not buying that why well, the governor's promise I know you're shocked, funded. Robert, because yes. I usually support the governor on everything he does. Right. So it, I'm well, just pointing out there's a very direct promise that comes from him. So I, I, I hope people will stay tuned and let's see what becomes of that promise. Okay. I think Jordan is probably uh, right. All right. I'm, I'm going to shut this. <laughs> I'm going to shut this down. John Erpenbach actually had a great quote about that saying, uh, the governor's made many promises before. We'll just have to <laughs> wait and see. Uh, look, I, I share your, all your skepticism, obviously. But uh, one news that was announced this week that maybe makes it a little more likely he can pull off his stunt, probably not, is that the state actually found about 714 million more dollars or at least we shouldn't say found we shouldn't say found but it appears that there is that is uh how much more revenue that is going to be projected so uh there was a deficit that had been projected so now it sounds like we're gonna have about a 400 maybe yeah yeah exactly 455 million uh (laughs) dollars above so i can't help but laugh now every time you say that jordan million yeah, so so look, regardless though, we have no details, but we're starting to uh, get some so th- this is basically setting up the fact that we're going to have Governor Walker announcing and releasing his budget in about 2 or 3 weeks and um instead of really just letting the governor get out there and set the agenda and and define the debate, uh, Citizen Action and a number of our uh, uh partners including uh, the Wisconsin Council on Children and Families have really been spending a lot of time preparing for this budget and trying to get together and get out and get out in front of Governor Walker to actually talk about an alternative budget. It's called the Wisconsin Budget for All and really taking a look at what we could do maybe if we did budgeting differently and trying to actually maybe change the debate that's going to occur over the next four or five months in the budget in terms of what is and is not possible to actually create thriving communities in Wisconsin. Robert, I know you were obviously central in our effort in this. Tell us a little bit more about this budget and what uh, what our coalition is hoping to achieve from it. 
Yeah, and let me just start. I didn't say anything on the uh, rosy revenue projections, but let me just it's say... It's all good, Robert. Don't worry about it. Say something about those. It, by the way, it's not because of increased tax revenue. Tax revenue is going up slower than they projected. It's because they spent less money than they projected, and so we don't know exactly what was cut. We know some of them. We know that 40, over 40,000 people aren't getting food shares because they didn't go through the governor's bogus uh, work training requirement, so that's savings, but that means there's 40,000 people hungry, just for example. But they are like college students, freshmen. I wouldn't even say upper-class uh, oh, men, freshmen. in that it's sort of like telling the, the, the freshmen that their ATM balance is higher than they thought it was. Well, guess what? They're going to go spend it, right? And then guess what? Oh, we're going to project downward. So are they prepared for the downward projection? Probably not. So, But the overall problem is, is that the governor is making all sorts of promises, right, of cutting college tuition uh, at, at no expense to anyone, not, a, not an expense to the university, anything else. But we are going to, when we get the governor's budget in three weeks, roughly, we're going to hear about what, what a tough time it is and how hard this is because they've made a transportation mess as well. And we're certainly not going to get any major new investments uh, in what would, make, what would actually make Wisconsin a thriving place and expand opportunity. And so what we decide to do is Citizen Action Wisconsin, Wisconsin Council of Children and Families, a number of other Wisconsin Council of Churches, a whole number of, uh, of nonprofit organizations and uh, some progressive labor unions is to come up with what we could do if we actually um, went after all of the rigged tax system, a lot of it, and the waste in there where we're giving away hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to special interests that just have the power to get it. Because that's why there's a shortage in money to make, make real investments. So on the revenue side, just as an example in this budget, and we'll have a link to it. Brian will provide a link. It's a very glossy document, very easy to read. We just took two. With two of them, that is the Manufacturing and Agricultural Tax Credit, which is an over $540 million giveaway per two-year budget from Walker. And we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. and Robert, you love to highlight the fact that this is this is a classic loophole where it sounds great, and it's all for jobs, but it's actually not tied to any job creation. It's, not, it's horribly structured so that everyone gets it, whether they create jobs, outsource, or whatever. It's what WMC wanted, so it's a huge giveaway to a powerful lobby that also funds right-wing re uh, Republican candidates for office. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it, it, there's no evaluation built into it either because they didn't want any evaluation of it. But it, they claimed it would it actually cost double what they thought it would cost. Uh, it costs now $569 million in this budget, which is double what they projected. No problem there. No, no talk of cutting it back because it's double what they promised. And then the other one is... We're one of the outlier states that actually taxes work at a higher rate than, than, than investment income. So what we do is we're going to have capital gains, which are uh, won mostly by, uh, by people who are doing well in our state, be taxed at the same rate that workers pay is taxed. And that will save us $328 million. So we have just under $900 million to work with. And with that... We made a whole lot of very exciting investments. Just to show you, it's like one of those grocery store things where you see how much you can buy at Pick and Save, right? With this much money, and you have a full basket, right? There's a full basket here with just cutting those two tax giveaways. And in the area of, uh, of work, we're able to create 3,000 transitional jobs that are also green jobs that would reduce, uh, reduce carbon emissions and, uh, and also use those to replace lead pipes that are poisoning our kids. 
We create we raise wages, creating a living wage for home care workers and child care workers, two vital professions that are very underpaid, poverty wage, and which can't be outsourced and may mean a lot to seniors, people with disabilities, and young parents. Uh, we uh, raised the income tax credit, which was cut by Walker. We raised it substantially uh, for over 250,000 people. Uh, we provide free technical college education. So what a great idea. Yes. Since we have Walker and the Republicans all the time saying, oh, we have a workforce problem, that we don't have skills, and all the corporate leaders are saying there aren't enough skills, but then we're not putting money into it. They cut the tech colleges. They cut UW. So we could have free tech college education uh, for $100 million. And so we do that. Uh, we uh, have literacy for all children by third grade. When kids really fall behind is the first three grades when they don't learn to read. And, to and if you actually prevent that from happening, they have a much better chance of succeeding in school and then in life. And so we put $100 million into literacy coaches for all 29,000 kids, roughly, that are, that are behind in reading. Uh, we also, um, this is on education, uh, we also deal with the teacher shortage. We have all this hand-wringing by politicians about rural districts and urban districts that can't afford to uh, hire and retain good teachers. This will raise uh, pay for teachers in, in, in districts that, that have less money and uh, so that they can attract and retain teachers and give them more money to retain master teachers and pay them more. Then on health care, we take, go, actually do make a huge investment in lead pipes removal which will prevent kids from being poisoned. Walker and the Republicans pay lip service to that, and they're going to put dimes into the, basically into a pan for that. They're not really going to invest in it because they don't really care about whether kids are being poisoned or not. Sorry. Uh, protect every high school student from opiate addiction. So actually doing something to scale to prevent opiate addiction, which is what we've been proposing. We've been talking about how Walker's proposals are small ball proposals. So this is a proposal to, to have a screening, which is an interview questionnaires for every kid and then following up with every kid where there's any indication of problem and provide really robust services. So that's $90 million, so it's real money. But if it's an epidemic, we should have real money behind it. And then finally, the big shocker, Take the money for Badger Care and expand Badger Care and include 80,000 more people, especially given what might be about to happen at the national level on health care. So you get all of that, that whole grocery list, for just removing two of Scott Walker's favorite corporate tax giveaways. Wow. So um, everybody should log on and read this because it's an alternative. It's an alternative to what's going to be presented on what I think it's February 8th when Walker gives his uh, budget address. It is something different. It's an actual path and a vision forward. And we can debate the merits of this as much as we can debate the merits of Walker's budget, right? Because there's always room for discussion. But this is an alternative. I'm going to say something that, you know, some may find a little controversial here. But this is what I want to see from our elected Democratic leadership. Um, and there has been a stunning lack of that coming out as an proposing an alternative. We tend to be the party of no that's not what we want when it comes to Walker, but we don't tend to do a very good job in providing our vision forward. So, you know, thank you to these folks and these to Citizen Action and the other organizations that have put together this alternative budget vision to give us something to talk to the Wisconsin people about. So I will make one clarification so so that our listeners uh, don't don't get the uh, don't go on the wrong track. We didn't actually offer it to the Democrats. Correct. So now, because we decided that we wanted to figure out what we thought was best and then put it out there, and each Democrat can choose how they relate to it, each Republican as well. So I will tell you that Peter Barca's 
a new communication director was coming out there before the event and asked me, so what are you doing? What are you guys going to talk about? So they didn't know. So they haven't not supported it. They just, but they now know about it. No, so no. they can and, choose and how to relate and to I'm it. And I'm not saying that this was something that you worked with them on. It's This is a document that I want to see coming, a separate document with our vision, our progressive vision from our elected leadership coming out. Well, look, the- this, this allows us not just to talk about, as you said, what we're against, what's wrong with Walker. It is actually to lay out a vision and start to, Robert, you've talked about these as iconic investments, right? Start to actually f- trigger people's brains as to things we could do and realize, one, that we're not broke, that there is enough money. I think that's critical to inject into the debate and that what we've been told that there's not enough money, that's that's wrong. But two, right, that there are really important fundamental things we could do with our democracy that could actually create real opportunity for people. And, and this budget starts to lay that out so that we can have a dialogue and a discussion. No one has any illusions here that this is going to uh, change what the Republicans are going to probably charge forward to. But as you mentioned, Jordan, it starts to lay out a vision where people can actually read and start to think about what's at stake a little bit right as opposed to just kind of what what are they afraid of that walker's going to do and feel paralyzed by the fact that there are no alternatives well and what happens in other budget debates is is that the governor sets the context puts everyone in a box they go and argue we go and argue about each line item and then we and it doesn't create a positive whole it doesn't move things forward it doesn't really hold the governor or legislators accountable because the public isn't really getting a clear sense of what we could do what is within our power to do, they actually come to believe that fatalistically that nothing more is possible and to expect less and to essentially allow the capital uh, and, our, and our public treasury to be looted, which is what's going on with the way they've junked up the tax code. And so we're hoping in this budget, but future budgets, that it's not a matter of this budget being adopted. It's a matter of changing the debate and changing the whole terrain of the budget discussion so that Governor Walker has to answer for literally giving away so much of our hard-earned money that we can't make the investments we need to make to make Wisconsin great in the 21st century. You know, I want to actually challenge our listeners and anyone who you may know uh, to think about this. And basically, what would you do with $900 million? Buy horses. <laughs> so what would you do? Let me let me get a little more refined, Jordan, in my question. Buy horse barns and horses. <laughs> For the people. For the people. <laughs> yeah. So, no, in all seriousness... What would you do if you could spend $900 million? What kind of investments would you make to actually create thriving communities? And post it on social media, right? Make a clip. Put a link to, to this report, right, so that people can start to think about what, what options, what would you do, and change the debate. Let's not have Walker define the debate. Let's get out over the next two, three weeks and have people actually talk about what they'd like to see invested in order to actually change the direction. And that's what we're hoping for here. And, and you can participate in this process by driving that debate and discussion amongst and, your and friends. feel free to propose going further. This is just a start. That's right. right. I mean, people might ask, why don't we have free tuition for UW? Be great. Well, it'd be about a billion dollars, I think, from what I can tell. So we, we would have had to have not done any of the other things I just mentioned. But is there another billion dollars in tax giveaways that we, where we could raise that revenue? Absolutely. So you could right. propose things at that scale as well, but realize that a uh, billion dollars is a lot. But if you think about it, it's entirely doable, actually, if we'd actually uh, set our minds to it. So with that, we are going to wrap up this podcast. Jorna, what are you doing this weekend when you're not 
thinking about a better budget for all? Uh, I'll be spending some quality time with everybody's favorite horses. George and Rito. Speaking of that, I'm going to interrupt you. Something happened to George last <sighs> night. What's George been doing? What's George going on? has been playing very hard outside, chewing on his friend Reno, and he what <laughs> apparently reared up and <laughs> fell down. <laughs> And has injured himself in some way. More his pride, it appears, than his bodily harm has come to him. But S- sounds a bit like my experience in the shower. So yes, our pride, <laughs> our pride goes first, doesn't it? I, I feel you, George. Um, but I have to say that I, I also am going to uh, screen the movies with some friends of mine, some poor unfortunate friends who have never seen the wonder that is Breakin' and Breakin' to, to Electric, Electric Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Oh, love it. That's great. That's yes. good stuff. Eighties party. Eighties party. Robert, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I don't know. Unfortunately for listeners, don't worry. Matt has a first alert bracelet now. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, if he should fall again. Well, anytime my feet go above my head, <laughs> the, an alarm goes off because it means I'm in trouble. Exactly. So, And then Bonnie, uh, your, your <laughs> wife, swings into action. Uh, so I've got to figure it out. I've not figured out how to commemorate the inauguration. I have invites to various parties, but I'm not sure... They're not, they're not all close, and probably alcohol would need to be involved, so I haven't figured it out. Um, I'll probably, since my nephew Delano is visiting, educate the young man. I mean, he's, he's going to be volunteering at Citizen Action Friday and bring him over to the uh, Trump resistance march. But beyond that, um, I haven't figured out any other furlough activity. I won't mention any verboten work activity. Oh, you know. It's all good. So it is. Uh, this week was my uh, son Ezra's 14th birthday, and so we have a birthday party Friday night. I'm going to see some terrifying movie that is only PG-13. I found out when I. Uh, it's the one where some guys got multiple, like 20 plus personalities. It looks absolutely horrifying. So I'll be doing that with my son on Friday night. Uh, I hope to be. I'd hope to be out on the ice. Does but he get uh, elected governor in it? <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. But but this weather is unbelievable. It is way too warm, and it's going to be way too warm for the next two weeks. This is Wisconsin in January, and I'm completely out of place. Uh, I guess maybe it's fitting to welcome in the new administration that we would have. Um, well, last year was warming. The warmest- you're on record, and it's, this is starting out warmer, so there you have it. Yeah. And, but by the way, you know, the, the jury in global warming is still out, right? <laughs> so, of to, course, you know, Sunday I'm watching the Packers. I'm, I'm hoping for good things for the right. Pack. It's quite unbelievable. I did not think they'd beat Dallas. So, uh, very excited about Green Bay. all about the Pack defense, right? Go, Pack, go. Uh, with that, we want to thank Brian Wildrich, our producer who makes the podcast go every, every weekend. And, of course, we want to give our best to George and hope that he heals quickly and uh, uh, tell Reno to leave George alone. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we will be back next week in the world of Trump, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what's changed. So with that, we'll see you next week here at the Battle of Wisconsin. Yeah.